His people bowed before Him. What a mighty God! Once again, let's sing it together. Oh, what a mighty God! Jesus is. Oh yes, you are, Father. What a mighty God I know He is. Heaven and earth adore Him. His people bow before Him. What a mighty God. Praise the Lord. And since He is such a mighty God, then I figure every trouble, every problem, every heartache that we're dealing with, we can do as our text is going to tell us tonight, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Now, if your God is a puny God, a little God, He's sort of crippled up. He has to have a knee walking chair or a cane or a wheelchair or something like that. Your God can't take too many problems, and I would advise you to Give him your issues a few at a time. Kind of weigh them in a scale. But if your God is a mighty God, then Peter says it this way, casting all. Notice he doesn't make it plural. He just puts it singular and says, take the whole thing. Casting all your care. And the word casting is to throw upon or place upon. So throw all your care, which is care or anxiety, upon him. And this is the reason why. For he careth for you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But if you've got the Holy Ghost and you're staying where you need to be in this verse here, then you're not swallowable material for the devil. Seeking whom he may devour, which is not you. You're sober. You're vigilant. You're watching that devil. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise be to God. How many would like to be remembered tonight before the Lord in prayer? Um, not sure if, if, if he made a, a request for Brother Darrell or not, but he has severe bronchitis, really uh, sick, coughing a lot. <clears throat> I want to remember our brother. God will just be with him and help him. Wasn't able to be in church tonight. Also, uh, we want to remember the Gissendaner family, um, Sister Rhonda that's been coming here from down in Georgia, her and Brother John. Her mother passed away, which is also Sister Lisa Gissendaner's mother. And then they also have another sister there in Brother Daniel's uh, church, so she passed this afternoon. We certainly do not um, feel sorry for those who cross over. She was ready to go and ready to meet the Lord and been sick for quite some time. But we want to remember the family that God would just be with them. So you have a need or request in your heart tonight before the Lord. 
<clears throat> All right? Now, do you believe what I just read is the truth? Yes. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Well, let's just not be professors of the word. Let's obey it. Let's take our burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, reading such tremendous passages of Scripture, you know when you were here as a human and you felt our anxiety, you even felt fear, you felt the human feelings that we feel so that you could understand us as our high priest. I pray that you would help each of us tonight, Father, that we would not just quote this scripture and be able to say, man, that's so pretty, it's beautiful, it's, it's a wonderful word, but may we be able to obey it, Lord. Help us, Father, when times are difficult and when it seems that you've delayed your answer and we don't know what else to do. And then it's during those times that we tend to try to take the problem back from you, to resolve it ourselves. Because we feel anxious and we feel worried and troubled and we're so afraid that somehow you're going to not answer it. Forgive us for such thoughts in our minds. Not a one of us in all reality could say tonight you have ever failed us in any way. You've answered us in ways maybe that we wasn't looking for. And maybe it come about in a way that we thought it was unanswered. But by and by, you make it known to us. It was answered for our benefit. Maybe not the way we thought best. So I pray tonight, Lord, that you would help us. Hundreds of hands went up in this place tonight, signifying a need, a desire, a request, a petition. We're not bringing it to an idol. We're not bringing it to a preacher. We're not bringing it to our mother, our brothers and sisters, but we're bringing it to you. And we want to cast, throw upon you all of our care. For you, oh my, you really do care for us. Father, we pray tonight, Lord, for these families that have lost this loved one today. Lord, this mother, what a precious thing, a real godly mother is. And Lord, these three daughters, we just pray that you would help them, Father, in their loss, these son-in-laws and grandchildren, nieces, nephews, whatever more, Lord, of this family circle and the church family. We ask, Father, that you would just help them. Lord, I, I pray also for this brother that passed, his family down at Brother Jason's. Dear God, may you be with him. Many, many things, Lord, that we have to deal with in life, and you don't promise us that we'll be exempt from such. But you do promise us you're the God of all comfort who will comfort us in time of such loss. So we're looking to you tonight. Father, may you take your word. May you help us, anoint us, anoint our ears to be able to hear. Speak to us the words of life, that it may enhance the seed word which is inside of us, that we can be what you desire us to be. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. Let's read from the Smyrnian Church Age book, if you would, once again. <clears throat> I love this quote, and I know we've used it a lot through the years, and guess what? If I'm alive many more years, I'll probably use it a lot more times, because I find in it such consolation, such a balance of understanding and the things of life. Myself, I desire to be the type of preacher 
that can preach things that will enhance folks' faiths, that will enhance their revelation, that will enhance their uh, spiritual uh, position in Christ, that they know what they are, but also helping them in the time of trouble. I realize for many people, whenever they hear things like this, they consider it very simple, not very deep. It's not very profound, something that encourages true trials. But apparently it's something that Almighty God knew that we would need since the Old Testament has so much more in it than it does about miracles. Actually, there's more words of encouragement in the New Testament, things about help in the time of need and trial, than there is the word of revelation. And yet, revelation is so important, is it not? It's, it's, more, it's more written in the New Testament than it is the seven thunders, the seven seals, or even the second coming. So it must have been a pretty important thing that God was going to be knew that would need to be preached upon, read upon, and studied by His children to help them in the difficulties of life. Now, myself, having been through a few things in life, not many maybe, but I've been through enough things to know that I appreciate so much when I'm in such despair the promises in the Word of God that help me to know He'll never leave me, He'll never forsake me, that He will be there even when I don't understand. When I misunderstand where I'm at or I'm trying to figure out where I'm at, those promises in His Word I can fall back on because of His record that I've seen Him do over and over again. Aren't you glad of that yourself? Notice the cloudy skies and the storms of life are no signs of God's disapproval. Neither are bright skies and still waters signs of His love and approval. His approval of any of us is only in the Beloved. His love is elective. Listen to this now. Brother Branham must have believed in election. His love is elective which He had for us before the foundation of the world. Does He love us? Ah, yes. But how shall we know? You ready for this deep, deep thing from the promise of God now? How shall we know? We shall know because He said so. And manifested that He did love us for He brought us to Himself and gave us of His Spirit placing us as sons. And how shall I prove my love to Him? By believing what he said, which is first, by believing what he said and by conducting myself with joy amidst the trials that he in his wisdom allows to come to pass. Now, are we still working on that? Probably most every one of us here tonight are in those stages. Now, maybe there are some aspects of your life that you're able to do it good. You know, maybe those things that consistently Satan hits you with over and over again and you kind of learn um, a methodical pattern that Satan will use against you and you've kind of come to expect it and you've learned your weaknesses, you've learned your strengths and you learn how to guard yourself against it. But every now and then he throws something in on you that you wasn't expecting. Or 
every now and then a family member will do something or maybe a, a church family member will do or say something that just totally catches you off guard. You're not ready for it. You wasn't expecting it. Totally surprises you. It was out of the norm. And yet I'm so grateful that the grace of God is able to help us when things come our way that is so different than what we figured Monday would bring. Now most of us kind of have Monday calculated. Well, oh, so and so on the job will do this and my teacher will say this and my professor at college will come in with a wrinkle in her nose and she won't like this and that and the other and this is going to happen and that's going to happen and Monday rolls around and the teacher didn't even show up much less the wrinkle in her nose and the professor wasn't there and the old guy that aggravates you on the job he was sick and couldn't even come in and you say wow this is going to be a great day but the man who normally don't bother you bothered you and your wife called you and told you something happened at the house and this happened and that happened you know what God is still God even on those days he's God whenever things come that you never expected things that are out of the normal things that are beyond what we're even calculating and believing will happen he's God when the sun shines he's God when the rain pours he's God whenever you got rainbows he's God when it's so cloudy there ain't no sun no rainbow inside all you see is clouds everywhere he's still God that's right now notice Peter then actually instructs the saints of God and how to be able to look for the devil as a roaring lion and we looked at Satan last week how that he reveals himself in the form of a serpent in the form of an angel of light in the form of a roaring lion and if you'll dissect those three things you'll find most of the trials of life that you and I go through that Satan will reveal himself in one of those three forms or in a complexity or a mix of those three forms together now whenever he come to Eve in the Garden of Eden he never comes so much as a roaring lion it probably would have frightened her maybe and she would have run straight to her husband but it was in the form of a, of a serpent with a subtle anointing of an angel of light now the angel of light is to come to supposedly illuminate something about the word that you're a little bit uncertain about or you're not really sure and when Satan sees we're unsure or when our, our faith is not really settled in a certain thing then he will come and he'll try to act upon us as an angel of light. Well you know it's this and it's this and this. Yea hath God said. So he did not come as a roaring lion but yet in this instant it worked exactly. Yet, But other times he does come that way. He will seek after you. He will threaten you because he finds you in this state of alarm. When you're so tore up you're so anxious. You just, oh, I can't take another day. I can't take another day. And he knows this fear tactic will work. But remember, no matter what tactic he uses, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But Brother Donnie, sometimes I don't know what to do. I don't know either. And you know what? Whenever I come to those times, I go back to him who knows what to do. I've done found out a long time ago one of the reasons that he leaves me where I don't know what to do is so I'll constantly depend on him. If I knew what to do every time that I'd sort of leave him out of the scheme. Come on, you say amen because you would too. 
But yet he knows exactly when to enlighten us, when to illuminate us, and when to keep us in the part to where really we're walking in that shade of darkness and we don't know what to do. Then we cry for mercy. The Spirit of God comes and helps us and gives us the deliverance that we need. Now watch in verse 10. I love the way Peter ends this little train of thought. But the God of all grace who has called us unto his eternal glory. Now remember what we was dealing with this past weekend. That God ordained an element of the doxa which is what the word glory means which is the part that God ordained that man should have. It is something set aside that angels, cherubim, seraphim, zunes will never be able to experience. It is something that God has given to the people of God by election. Now it has been kept from us for the most part because we're in the mortal season of time. But God very soon is going to break that mortality away from us and we will enter into the immortal realm and when we do we will break forth in the realm of the Shekinah that we were supposed to have in the beginning. We were called unto this eternal glory by the predestination and the love of God. You believe that? Not because you're good and you done this and that and the other. It's not the way it's given to us. It's given to us by the grace of God. But unto the God of all grace he says who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Now how in the world would a man go from that and then go to this? After that ye have suffered a while make you perfect establish strengthen settle you you talking about a contrast so we would go from an eternal weight of glory which was given to us in Christ Jesus and then go to another sphere. He would go from the immortal season to the mortal season. He would go from the eternities before the foundation of the world and then drop back down in time and go to dealing with trials and tests and troubles. And yet the very God who knew us already knew us before the troubles ever started. Now notice this is not... That Peter said, well, God's going to wait and see how many is going to be saved. And then God will try to figure out how to distribute his glory. That ain't the way my father works. He knew his children and knew them before the foundation of the world. So he already had called us unto this glory by Christ Jesus. But there is an element of who we are and what we are about our character that can only be developed in this life. It's like a picture that they used to take them years ago and they would have to put it in the dark room in order for the exposure to be given over to light. And when it did, then the images on that would come into clear view. Well, it's the same way with our lives that we're called under this eternal weight of glory. And we know that our trials, notice how he says this, after that ye have suffered a while. So we will come to this state of eternal glory after we have suffered. Well, wait a minute, I thought it was a gift. It is a gift. It's a gift of God's grace in your life to help meet out what you need so this eternal weight of glory will reflect itself that you come from heaven. Everybody else on the earth can never take what the elect of God take and go through it because they are not from heaven. And they would reflect their destiny of where they are, many of them being nothing but creatures of time. So it's something beyond time that gives us the ability. How is it that we're able to live in this age? 
stage of such darkness when the mind is so perplexed and the body is in such turmoil and our homes, our lives, our family, politics, society, everywhere you look, it's in the office mess that ever was. The world has never been where it is and yet we're going right on and we're not just barely hanging on, but we've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. Many of you have been through things in the last year. If you would have looked five years ago and said, you're going to have to go through this five years down the road, you say, Lord have mercy. There ain't no way in the world I can ever go through such a thing. No, there's no way. I, no, God, no, please don't, don't let me go through that. But little by little, God building you up to where you are now. And oh, sure, it may still be hard and it's difficult and you think sometimes you don't know what to do. But in all reality, look at where you are and see how did you get here. The God of all grace has the one who brought you to where you are. So it is a down payment of the eternal glory that releases the grace and the strength. It's not just going to come out a while in a glorified body. What we are getting now for every step of our journey is that deposit of unfolding glory that's coming into us by our new birth. Notice after that ye have suffered a while. Now that while may differ from one to the other. The length of suffering will differ from one to the other according to the call, the office, and the amount of suffering needed to bring the proper character to the individual. Notice then, we know that our trials are actually building Christian character. The Greek word translated here, I, I, I love this, make you perfect, actually means to equip, to adjust, and to fit together. Now notice what it's going to do. After that you've suffered for a while, it will make you perfect. Now this is not human sinlessness. It is not perfection in yourself. The word perfect here is actually complete or lacking nothing, being what you need to be. So the requirement has been met. And this comes how? By one deep revelation after another. That's not what he said. Do we believe in deep revelation? We do. But there's something about trials that can bring character that revelation cannot bring. Now, friend, you cannot argue with that. Well, you might argue with it, but you cannot prove your argument because revelation does not bring it. Shouting does not bring it. Jumping does not bring it. Do we believe in shouting? Do we believe in emotion? Do we believe in worship? Worship will not bring your character. Shouting will not bring your character. There's only one thing that will bring it, and that is the grace of God allowing us to suffer so that we can be molded into the image of a son and daughter of God. Some will suffer physically. Some will suffer psychologically. Some will suffer being persecuted for the cause of the gospel. And all we know they live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But others will suffer to such an extreme spot they will give their lives, and many have. Some will come to a spot they feel like it'd be easier to give their life because of what they go through on a constant basis but yet every one of us must go through that which is necessary that the grace of God will be met out in our lives to meet the measure of this eternal glory and then when we move there it will be as if though it was only but for a moment and comparing what we shall inherit when we walk into that blessed time we'll look back and think my it was just a fleeting moment that's all it was. Now it certainly doesn't seem that way. 
Notice he says, after that you've suffered a while. Make you perfect, which means to equip, to adjust, to fit together, and establish, which means to fix firmly or to set fast. God does not want Christians that are wishy-washy and up and down. Well, you know, they roll with politics and whatever is politically correct, that's what they say and that's what they do, which is where the majority of Christians are in the world today. If it's not politically correct to preach something, well, then they won't do it. I read a poll not long ago where uh, many of the denominational preachers were polled and 80-some percent of those pastors said they felt extreme pressure not to say things or preach things because of political and, and the social acceptance in the world that we live in. Well, let me just say this to you tonight. If I ever get rid of that fireman, get somebody that will tell you the truth. I wonder how many message preachers are the same way. They won't preach on this or this or this, whatever name you want to call, because it's not socially correct, it's not politically correct, so they conveniently work around it. And they just don't say anything about it, because we know firsthand it, it can cause you big trouble. Well, come on, saints, praise the Lord. But I'd rather have my trouble on this side of the river instead of that side. Amen. So God wants people that he can be able to establish that are not, they're immovable, they're unshakable, and they know what they stand. They don't go around trying to cause trouble now. They're not looking for, you know, disparity of life and to cause all types of situation. But if God leads them into it, they will fight. And they will not compromise. Well, praise the Lord. So the word established means to fix firmly, to set fast. Notice in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12, Paul said, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus. Now remember, we're talking about the early church and trials and tests. Now, as I said last week and I, for many folks when they read the book of Acts, all they seem to stick out to them is one miracle after another. Uh, this demon was cast out. This person was healed and this person. And all glory to God. That's a continuation of the book of Acts. No, that's only a part of the continuation of the book of Acts. If you really read the book of Acts from chapter 1 right down to the last chapter, you'll find more trials, more tests, more tribulations than you will miracles. We don't like that, I know, but it's the truth anyhow. So that was what the church of the living God went through. Look, friend, they were martyred, they were hated, they were beat, they were whipped, they were treated awful, absolutely despised by the world, and considered the offscouring of the hour. And if we're going to be a true book of Acts, we're going to be treated the way they were, or we're not a true book of Acts. Oh, but Brother Donnie, we got signs and wonders. The people of the judgment on the last day will stand up and say, we cast out devils in your name. We heal the sick in your name. And they say, depart from me, I never knew you. So they were not apostolic just because they cast out devils. Oh, my goodness. Now, I love the way Paul sets this in order because remember now, by the time this was written, uh, what time frame, Brother Terry? First Timothy, Second Timothy, let's say 61, 62, maybe AD, something like that. So Christianity had been into existence by, by about 30 years or so, 25 to 30 years. So the impersonation under the white horse rider had already started. Now, they did not know the seals. And remember, Paul, as far as we know, never even preached the seals. And most of the first century people never even knew anything 
anything about them because they was not revealed until 96 AD and Paul by that time was already beheaded and many of the apostles were already beheaded as well because they did not need an understanding of the seals but the white horse rider had already started riding under the auspices of that white horse which was a symbol of purity and that antichrist anointing was already there because John said that it was but they did not have Christianity being impersonated in the same volume that we would at this day so it wasn't like you go to the traffic light and you make a left and you'll pass 15 churches before you get to Elizabethan or you make a right go toward Johnson City head out toward Gray you'll probably pass 50 or 60 churches and every one of them will say church 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 whatever the the front name is but yet in that day it was not so you might know about a secret group that met over here in a catacomb and you might hear about another secret group that met over here in somebody's house and another secret group but it was all highly secret and they did not really publish it until they got to the time to where under Claudius they were able to have a little bit of liberty and could worship God but remember it was still very much hated very much persecuted under Nero Domitian and many of those emperors and they actually were just to be called a Christian they would they would crucify you behead you boil you in oil all the different things they would do but yet the spirit was already there so there was an element of people that were being identified as so-called Christians because the prophet tells us the Catholic Church actually began on the day of Pentecost right now the true church was birthed at the day of Pentecost but there was another bunch that apparently was there remember they went out of the upper room and preached to others and they believed but the Bible don't say nothing about them getting the Holy Ghost so the upper room guys got the Holy Ghost the outside room people believed I don't want to just believe I want the Holy Ghost come on saints so both churches were born on the same day so one of them was a born again Holy Ghost filled believer and the other started out as believers they looked like them they might have talked like them initially and then they got to a place where they said well we don't want this tongue speaking stuff down to this bunch of holy roller stuff we want to get away from all that so they pulled away from that original church and started another group and then they were always of course they were always a, a thorn in the side of the church but Paul is going to give them a true identification of what the real church is going to be and that is he said yea and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution isn't it amazing that he didn't say all who profess Christianity now let me bring it on down to where we live in 2019 there are absolutely millions and millions of people around the world who profess Christianity we've got thousands of people around the world who profess they believe this message and for many of them that's all it is they're professors well praise the Lord but you know what? When the press really comes and the pressure comes against them and the world pulls on them, they go this way, that way, that way, that way. They go back to Baptist. They go back to Method. Oh, I can't live it. It's too hard. Too difficult for me to do. Oh, my. I didn't realize it's going to be so difficult. Well, they were professors. And like a dog goes back to its vomit and it eats its vomit and swallows it down again. Like the old hog that was washed. Amen. And come out of there, you know, 
perfumed her all up real good, tied a pink ribbon around her tail, but she's still a hog. But you know what she done? When she smelled that old muck and that old bunch of stuff out there on the hog lot, here she went just as straight as she could go because in her heart she was still a hog. And in the heart of the dog, he's still a dog. Come on, happy about it. But when a person is truly born again, they are not a hog. They are not a dog. The serpent is gone. Sin is gone. From that sinful nature, they are born again. A new creature in Christ Jesus. That's right. So I love this because we'll get into this maybe a little later in another branch off of this. But yeah, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus. Now, notice that he doesn't say all that will cast out devils or all that will shout or all that will jump. Isn't it amazing that he puts the emphasis on the life? Well, I, I believe, and I believe, and I believe. Oh, that's well and good, but Judas done the same thing. And let me go ahead and tell you, the devils do the same. Oh, Brother Donnie, I believe in one God, so does Satan. He's been before his throne, and he can count. He knows there ain't three gods, there ain't three thrones, and there ain't three separate beings. There's only one God. Thou believest in one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Now, the devils want this, but he'll try to convince you to be a Trinitarian. So not all who profess Christianity, but all that live according to the declared will of God for the age that they live in. Now this is really true godliness. Now godliness is not something to where we make it ourselves. Now thank God for holiness. We believe in holiness. But I don't believe in man-made holiness. Now, the Methodists and the shouting Nazarenes and many of them years ago, they developed their own holiness. And they went to the scripture and Isaiah, well, there'll be a way called holiness and it'll be a highway of holiness. Well, much of what they preached and what they believed, a lot of it was true. But a lot of it was man-made. That's right, boy, some of you's really getting quiet on me now. It was man-made. Well, then the Pentecostals, then legalists, they come right over with that legalism, and then they say, well, you can't do this, and your woman ain't supposed to wear a wedding, a wedding ring, and you ain't supposed to wear red, and you ain't supposed to do this and that and the other. Well, you know what they've done? They added to their holiness. Now they're making self-righteousness out of it, and then they're going to judge everybody according to their own standard. But is that, is that in the Word? It's not in the Word at all now you can have your own personal conviction that you want to live your life by there's certain things you may not do you may not go this and that and the other but when it comes to ruling God's church by that that's where we're going to have a problem you see if you want to live your certain life well I'll tell you one thing I don't drink soft drinks well that's up to you I, I, I don't take aspirin that's up to you I'm going to if I need one well, praise God. I don't go to doctors. Well, I'm going to if I need one. Because the prophet said they were God's servants. Well, I don't, don't even know they are, but they are. Well, but they don't serve God. They don't have to. Nebuchadnezzar never served God, but he was God's servant too. Neither did Cyrus serve God, but he was God's servant. Because God took him and used him, so therefore they can be God's servants. Some of them may never done one good thing in their life. They may not perform one good surgery that was in the will of God, but God placed them there for you because you're elect. 
They might have messed up all kinds of people, but God said, you ain't messing up this and this is my boy. This and right here is my daughter. And God said, angels, get down there in the operating room. Get down there with that anesthesia. That guy smokes. He even smokes dope on the side. But I want you to give him a keenness. I want you to make him so alert. I want you to make that robotic arm moving inside of that thing. I want you to watch over an angel. Yes, sir. We're on it right now, God. And that surgeon said, wow, that's the best surgery I've ever done in my life. It wasn't you, boy. It's who you was operating on. It called heaven to attention. You believe God's that concerned about you? But all that live godly in Christ Jesus. So what is this? This is going to be their actions as the gospel for the age that they live in is declared to them. Now we know, of course, we look at the Luther message and they was able to just, by the breaking of the light of God, to be able to grasp a little bit that the just shall live by faith. Did they believe in sanctification? No. Luther drunk beer. But you better not try that. What did God do? God moved on to us and said, hey, you know what? We've got to clean ourselves. We've got to quit this and we've got to lay this aside and lay that aside. Come on, saints. A lot of the folks in the message ain't come to that part yet. That's right. But sanctification is not just on the outside, but it's a sanctification of the heart. It actually is the sanctification of your spirit. Some folks have long dresses and long hair and a big old long rubber band tongue to match it. They're not sanctified. They're just wearing a long dress with a big blabber mouth. Oh, Jesus, help us, Lord. Well, come on. And some of you men don't wear dresses, but you've got just as long a blabber mouth tongue as the women do. Amen, Jesus. And believe in holiness and thank your holiness because you don't wear short sleeve shirts and gossip and talk and run people down. You don't know what holiness is yet. You're still Methodist holiness. You're still Pentecostal holiness. I'm talking about holiness under the opening of the seals. It's more than just the length of your dress. It's more than the height of your heel. It's more than just brothers how close can we have our hair trimmed. It is a holiness through and through. It sanctifies our mind. It sanctifies our body. It sanctifies where we go. Oh, hallelujah. It sanctifies the way we live. And don't jump no higher than you live. But if you live high, jump high. Praise God. Well, who in the world was that for? My, my. So those who live godly in Christ Jesus, not perhaps, maybe 50-50 chance, 60-40 60-40 possibly, you will suffer persecution. You will be ridiculed, antagonized, hated, despised. You will suffer persecution. And guess what? This is the perfect will of God. That's if I was preaching on the seven thunders on oh my some of y'all be yeah, yeah, yeah. Seals, oh my, the horizontal rainbow. I need to get some of Michael's notes out. Y'all, y'all lay men some of that stuff better on Michael's notes than mine. Why is it that we feel like that suffering persecution, something is wrong? It's wrong if you're not. Now remember, we're not talking about being persecuted because of our ignorance or persecuted because of something we've done, but persecuted because of our stand for God's word. It is the will of God and a divine appointment of heaven that the elect of God suffer to such a degree 
It will sever them from the rest of professed Christianity. Now, the others will stand there. There will be people, that preachers, that will stand there in the special in the last days of the false anointed ones. And they will have as many or more miracles than we do. You think we're the only ones that have miracles? Do you think in this message we're the only ones that folks get healed? I'll tell you, friend, we're not. Well, if it's miracles alone is what identifies us, then Benny Hinn is also a message believer. Then some of the Pentecostals are also a message believer. You can't go by signs alone. God honors faith. Amen. But it is miracles. Yes, it is signs. Yes. But one of the notable things in the first church was what? They were so part of Christ's life, they were persecuted like he was. But in this day, to be persecuted, hated, despised, rejected, oh, you're not mainstream. You're not politically correct. You're not accepted. If you're not in line with everybody else, there's something wrong with you. No, there's something right with you. If our church is right in line with every denomination and the political voice is our voice and you turn on your radio and listen to everything they're saying out yonder and you hear the same thing said from behind this pulpit, I need to sit down. We should have a different voice. We should have a voice that comes back to God's word and said, well, I I can't say that because I might offend somebody. I don't want to hurt nobody. You disrag. Woo! My, my. Notice those that suffer in this day. Well, many of us have our goods confiscated. Will our lives be taken? We'll be led to a, a chop by the terror, maybe even thrown in prison. Now, more than likely, the whole bride around the world won't. There may be some, but because we are a body, If one of our brothers in China is thrown in jail, then we are suffering when we hear about it as a body. Another one in Uganda may suffer a different type of persecution. Uh, Us here will suffer a different type. But the body itself, not every individual, we are going to be hated, despised, rejected of men. Why? Because our master was. Oh my, will all of us suffer a violent death? No. Some of you will die in your sleep. Some of you die of a heart attack. Most of us will die by natural causes, diseases, or automobile accidents. We'll never be a martyr as far as at our death. But we are giving our lives every day for the cause of the Lord Jesus. Every time, sisters, you walk into the grocery store or in the Walmart and somebody looks at your hair. We want to be living epistles, do we not? We want folks to know there's something different about us. Me and Carol left after church here to take a little bit of a time to get a little bit of a rest for a day and a half. Stop in Morristown Sunday after church, Cracker Barrel. Woman opens the door, standing there with the door, and bobbed hair, makeup, earrings, all that. Said, "Y'all are Christians. Praise the Lord, y'all are Christians." I said, "Yes, ma'am." We went in, sit down, little girl comes over to take our order. Y'all have a good service today? I said, yes, ma'am. I told Carol, I said, is it his glory? Is it his glory from that service that's still on us? 
Because they didn't just look at her, they looked at me, and I looked pretty much like all the rest of them guys in there. Had blue jeans on and a comfortable shirt on and a comfortable pair of shoes. I wouldn't dress like this. But they kept saying, us, us. I said, is it that glory that we was in in church that they sensed that's something about us that is different? Oh, I want a Jesus that's not just good behind this pulpit. I want a Jesus that's not just good for the preacher. He's not just good for the deacon, but he's good for the teenage boy and the teenage girl. He's good for every man, woman, boy, and girl that gets filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise be to God. Isn't it amazing when folks find out you're Christians, they change your conversation. Automatically, this little girl that waited on us, she had cut hair and had, uh, had, on, uh, had on pants, and she said, well, I, I was raised in the church of God, Pentecostal, and started talking about Pentecost, and talking, where are y'all from? So I pastor a church in Johnson City. Well, oh yeah, I'm, my, my great-granny used to live up into there, and I went here and there and there and there. Y'all have a nice day. God bless you. Have a nice day. <laughs> Think of it, friend. All of a sudden, people can change from, you know, being whatever that's acceptable into whatever they think you are. I don't want to be like that. I want to be something that whether I'm liked or disliked. Okay, now we were accepted in them two occasions. There's other occasions when we haven't been. And you have not been as well because the devil's out there since that's something inside of your soul. And whether or not you understand it, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you pulsating light emitting beams from your being and Satan picks up on it and they will hate you and you say, what have I done? You don't have to do one thing. It's because in that unseen realm, that world of the supernatural, your soul is emitting the light beams of the rays of God and them demons pick up on us I hate that guy I hate that woman I hate that girl they'll pick on you why will they pick you out it's because them devils that are under that influence hates the spirit of God in you it hates God it hates the cause of God it cannot destroy God so it'll try to destroy you but keep on swallowing devil because you can't swallow me Got my hands around your neck. Notice in Hebrews 10, 32. But call to remembrance the former days and which after ye were illuminated. Now what's the contrast that Paul does just like Peter? Call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated. So this is where we get our word photo. Look at the Greek word, photizo, and it means give light, bring to light, to cause something to exist, and thus come to light and become clear to all. So you become illuminated. Light was given on your soul. And what happened after that exposure, which is what we do with the camera, and we will give it that exposure, that moment or that semi-hammer, long it is, of light, and it strikes the image, and when it does, it catches the image and reflects it and holds it in memory. Well, God illuminated your soul when the heavens opened up and the exposure of eternal light and eternal light bounced upon your soul, the impressed image of God that was yours before the foundation of the world made itself a reflection and burst itself inside of you and when it did praise God notice what followed Paul said after ye were illuminated ye endured a great 
fight of afflictions. You mean heaven kissed your soul? Heaven opened the rays of the light of God. The shadow come open. And you were born again. You caught the rays. The potential inside of your soul was illuminated by the power of God. And immediately following the exposure of eternal light. Come this great fight of afflictions. How many can say it's been a battle about pretty much all the way? rest y'all need to get saved. Well, praise the Lord. The words great fight means conflict of affliction. It's the words that was used in the Grecian and Roman games, especially those of the gladiators. So after you were illuminated, God put you in the ring with wild beasts. So now you're a gladiator. You're not just running around the ring picking up napkins and trash. You fight or you die. This is why folks, some folks are dying, friends. They quit fighting. If you don't fight in the ring as a gladiator, you will die. It's inevitable. What a word to choose. After you were illuminated. So here the light of God goes. It fulfills your soul. And you're so, oh, 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 praise God. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. What's that God said? Put on your armor. Get in the ring. You're up next. No, 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 no. no, I didn't come to fight that. This is a picnic. And I, I thought I was joining a picnic. I, I, th- I thought I was on the Smiley Preacher's Church. I'm, I'm in the wrong church here now. What's the address? Is it Houston? No, this is Elizabeth. Oh, I'm in the wrong church. I, I thought I was down in Houston somewhere. I, I'm looking for one of those blessing God churches. I'm looking for one of those peace God churches. That, no trouble, no trials, no difficulty. Your major trials is you left your Mary Kay at home and you, you put on Maybelline. I mean, that's a major trial. And oh my, your false eyelash, uh, you know, the, the wind uh, got in the windshield and, and it blowed it off. And oh, now you got to go in church before church and get it all straightened out. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong place. Uh, here we teach you how to fight. We don't, we don't have sisters here that teach you to go in the bathroom back there and, and how much rude to use and, and how much black around your eyes. You'll get black all right, but it comes from the preacher wearing yell. You'll be beat black and blue. <laughs> but it won't be mascara and it won't be rude. And, and you'll have red lips and red eyes and red hands, but that's simply from whooping. Come on now, saints. So leave your mascara at the house and leave all that sort of stuff at the house because that ain't what we teach you here. We teach you how to fight. We want to teach you how to fight, but not only fight, but to be able to walk out of that arena and say, by the grace of God, I've overcome fear. I've overcome sickness. I've overcome anxiety. I've overcome, hallelujah, by the grace of God, he has taught me how to fight. Smile, everybody. 
okay, I got your picture. Pass out the swords, Brother Terry. Pass out the helmets, the balls and chains. Some of you will have the net. Some of you will have the spear. Some of you will have this and that. And let me warn you, you're not going to have a century to train. The hour is late. The time is short. The enemy will be released against you almost immediately after your picture was took. But guess what? If it's going to be released that quick, apparently you're ready or God will never let it happen. Notice this, what he says. But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions, not just one, but over and over and over again. So you went in the ring as a gladiator and you defeated this beast and this lion. Can you imagine the Romans and the Greeks whenever they would train these men? Can you imagine how difficult it must have been? And they, of course, would fight each other, but many of them would fight bulls and they would fight tigers and lions and all kinds of things and they would go in there like an animal themselves. But we are not an animal friends God don't want us to be hard and indifferent and cold we fight these enemies but we fight them by the grace of God and we go in there and we face our greatest enemy my greatest enemy may not be yours some of you may be fear and it may be the fear of failure and it may be whatever more but God has called you you're not standing there playing an instrument in the band you're not standing up there in the grandstand hallelujah go ahead praise God no you're the one down there in the arena we are not spectators we are not those that are cheering them on we are the ones being cheered on oh glory to God we are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses notice this in verse 33 partly whilst you were made a gazing stock Look at this word, gazing stock, theatrizo, which is, of course, where we get the word theater and theatrics to bring upon the stage, to set forth as a spectacle, expose to contempt. Now, is this modern Christianity? Are they exposed to contempt as a Christian? <laughs> It's well accepted. We're right here in the Bible Belt. Are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. Where do you go to church? Oh, I don't even go to church no more. It's just me and Jesus. I, I'm, you know, I don't even go to church. I, I don't, you know, what do you, what do you believe? I, I don't know. I mean, whatever my mama believed, I, I believe what my mama believed. What's your mama believe? I'm not sure she believed what her mama believed. Or what she believed. She believed what her mama believed. Or what she believed. What her daddy believed, I believe. But I'm not sure if she believed what her daddy believed or what her mama believed. But all I know is I believe myself. I'm just a believer. I, I already know what I believe, but I'm just a believer. Well, I don't mind telling you what, I'm, I'm proud tonight. I know what I believe. And I know where I got it from. It comes from God's Word. Come on, saints. Y'all know what you believe? You know what you believe? You're happy that you know where you stand on God's Word? I'm not just a believer. Well, I'm a believer, praise God. I'm a believer. Well, I am a believer, and I can tell you what I believe if you want to know. Praise be to God. Not to be a know-it-all, but I want to be able to know where I'm standing. Because if you don't know what you believe, then anybody can come along and talk you out of it, and maybe you'll believe something else. But if you know where you stand, and you're birthed from where you stand, there ain't enough devils out of hell to get it out of you. So 
here Paul said, now after you were eliminated, then you were thrown into the arena and you become a gladiator, then you were brought up on the theater as a gazing stock. And people was looking at you. Look at her. Look at him. Look. Look at her. They go to the skirt church. <laughs> Well, we do have a funny belief around here, maybe. We think it ought to be one member in the family that wears the pants. <laughs> and it ain't the woman. Of course, in some families, the woman wears the pants and the man wears the dress. I seen a guy the other day walking right down the streets in Johnson City, had on a long dress down here below his knees. I mean, he was just as cool as he could be. Friends, we're in a crazy world. The people are insane. The people are insane. The people you're shopping with at Walmart, they're crazy. The people you go to school with, they're nuts. The people you're working with, the majority of them are gone. I said they are gone. There's only one saving strength of the world, and the world don't want it, but it's Jesus. So then they look at us. Skirt church. So I wonder what they call us brothers. Britches church of. No earring church, no necklace church. Um, none of the men up there wear dresses. I better not hear of any of you men wearing dresses. Now, my belt ain't very long, but I, I don't mind telling you, I'll probably wear you out. Praise the Lord. Why? Because God's word. And yet the people say, oh, that's stupid. Why preach on what you wear? God has always emphasized what people wore. It's important to God what people wear. What you wear now will determine what you're dressed in after a while. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So in doing so, now we take our stand and we're what? We're spectacle. Up on the stage and God don't put us behind the wall and hide us behind this convenient wall of Christianity. But God says, no, I'm going to make you a businessman and I'm going to make you this and I'm going to make you that and I'm going to put you in school and I'm going to put you out there and out there and I want people to watch you. I'm going to set you right up on a theater. And some of them will chuckle when you go by and some of them will laugh. But isn't it amazing when they get in trouble? That they want you to pray for them. They want you to turn a prayer request into the skirt church. Wow, I mean, reckon why they don't request prayer at their britches church. Reckon why they don't request prayer at their church. Probably because they ain't seen no miracles there since John Smith was there. Well, praise the Lord that John Wesley was there. Come on, saints. You understand how blessed we are? Weekend after weekend, weekend after weekend, testimonies of the power of the living God among us. It ain't me, it ain't you, it's our resurrected Lord Jesus. We can't heal the sick, we can't deliver the people. If we stand for him, he'll stand for us. But notice his way. He puts us on public display. But a lot of the miracles and the supernatural that he does among us, he does it just among us. 
How many of the doctors in Johnson City know that I've went into the med center and prayed for folks with cancer and them get up and walk out? How many of the other preachers that park in the, park in the clergy parking where I park at, how many of them know that I've done that? Or Brother Darrell or Brother Terry or some of these other brothers. That's the way God does it. What God puts on the theater is the reproachful part. Oh, those good people, but man, they play some strange stuff. Like what? Some about even a snake. No, it wasn't even a snake. It was even a serpent, which ain't the same thing. And they believe in some prophet or something or another. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Brother Jim called me a few years ago and there was a man over here who wanted to come and talk to me. He had some real needs. So I come in, met him here at the church. Sat down right in there. I said, so what can I help you with, sir? Well, he said, I'm, I'm really... I'm really needing God. He just kept looking around. And I said, sir, look at me. You know, tell, tell me what it is that you're needing. I, what, what are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for the statue. I said, what statue? He said, well, people told me that y'all bow down to a statue. And you worship the statue of some man. Gazing stock. Isn't it amazing the man come to the gazing stock preacher to get help and deliverance? And believe it or not, God delivered him sitting right there in that chair. Ain't been back since. Ain't seen him back. But what does God do? God does it that way and puts his people on public spectacle and life at and ridiculed and made fun of. And the supernatural part, God said, no, no, this is just for you all. This is just family stuff. Well, hallelujah. Partly whilst you were made, you were made. Now you were illuminated. You were made brilliant. You were made wonderful. You were made new. And you were made a gazing stock. Both by reproaches and afflictions. And partly whilst you became companions. Not only you, but your brothers and sisters. Y'all would get together and talk about it. Oh, you can't believe somebody wrote me the office letter ever was. Oh, Lord, somebody ridiculed me. Somebody called me everything. Really? They've done the same thing to me, brother. Oh, my goodness. I saw them down at the market. They treated me awful. They absolutely, oh, really? Well, they've done the same thing to me the other day, brother. Well, praise be to God. Let's bear our reproach together. Let's get in the arena. Let's get up on the theater. And let's not like we're Christians let's be what we are followers of Jesus of Nazareth but they considered them to be weak and fanatical (laughs) well I don't mind telling you friends you are looking at a first class genuine fanatic I'm an addict I'm an addict, I'm addicted, not to porn, not to alcohol, not to drugs, to the power of God. I'm addicted to going to church. I know some of y'all go once a month where you need her to not, but I'm addicted bad. I gotta have it more than that. I'm 
I'm addicted to the power of God. I'm addicted to prayer. I'm addicted to being in the presence. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, Let me read another scripture and we'll stop. James chapter 1 verse 2. My brethren. Count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations. Now this word is not sexual temptation, drinking temptation, you being tempted to be able to steal or rob or hit somebody in the face or something like that. No, that's the way the English translators use the word. But look at this word, what it actually means. Perasmos, it is an experiment or a trial or a proving. The trial of a man's fidelity, his integrity, his virtue, and constancy. Now, we're not the, well, thank God I was tempted by 47 uh, naked women today. Thank God. You're crazy. I tell you what, I was so tempted the old Jim Beam and old John Crow and Jim Crow and them old Crow boys, I, I, to be honest, I still fight a battle with that alcohol. I thank God I was, no, that's not what he's talking about. But when God will allow you to be tried, that's separate things, friends. Whenever we are tempted by our flesh and the desires in our flesh, that is not the trying of our faith. Well, come on now. But James says when God allows you to go through something and God in his mercy and love, then he said, brothers, when you go through it, count it all joy. Consider yourself to be a blessed individual. Amen. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse tests or diverse trials. You're not to consider it now as a punishment. You're not to consider it that God don't love you. But go ahead and rejoice that it's a sign that you're a son and a daughter of God. What that means is that God knows you've got something in you that can be tried. A justified person has very little. A sanctified person has very little, but a new birth person has got all of these great goods of the Holy Ghost inside of them, and they can be tried. You see, it's like an old gold digger, and he would go out somewhere and make a claim, and he would go through all the legal process, and Brother Jim, he'd dig and grub and dig and grub, and he'd hit it in a spot. Oh, my. And there it was. Oh, he takes it out. He bites on it because gold is soft, and he knows it's gold. Oh, I'm going to take it in. What's he got to do now? He's got to take that little bit of gold in and he's got to take it to the assayer. And the assayer will be able to try that gold. And now what he's got in his pocket may not be but four or five dollars worth of gold. But if that assayer, amen, if that assayer will confirm or put the token on this gold, this means he's a millionaire. Now what he's got in his hand may not be but five dollars worth, but he knows where this is, there's more of it. Praise God. When God tries your faith and it meets his requirement to say this is genuine, this is for me, this will stand the test, it means you're a millionaire on the other side. Your goal right now is, oh, I'm barely holding on. But, but it's not so much important, my friend. My faith is not big like Brother Terry's and my faith is not great like Brother Jim. God's not weighing your goals. God is not measuring the size of your goal. God wants to make sure you've got gold then if you've got gold and the claim is made in your name and you know where the seam is then if you need more go back up and dig more you know where you got it at 
Praise God. So every trial, what does the trial do? The trial tests your goal. And then when God says, she's good, it's good goal. It's good goal. It's not fool's gold. It, it, it's, not, it's not just sanctification, but you've got the real goods. Then you can say, praise God. It won't just keep me through this trial. It'll keep me through the next one and the next one and the next one. And it'll lead me to a resurrection or a body change, whichever one I face, because the main man has done proved my goal and he put his approval on it. It's good goal. Let's stand. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So this little trial and that little trial and that little trial, what do they lead to? Bigger trials and bigger tests. More difficulties in life. But each trip is proving your goal is good God. Remember in the Garden of Eden when there was the river that parted out and it went into four heads, Pison and Havilah. And remember the scripture says there in the land of Havilah that the gold, there was gold there in the land. And amazing in the Garden of Eden in the book of Genesis that he would require or even have it to written down that there was gold in the Garden of Eden. And Moses went on to say, and the gold was good gold. Good gold in paradise. Oh, I want God to say that about me. I'm not so much interested as that. Well, you're a great preacher. I'll tell you what, boy, you could quote them quotes. I'm telling you what, you could quote them scripture. I want God to say, son, you had good gold. He's able to stand the test. And because of that, you went back to the seam over and over and over again. When you felt just being depleted because you took my original essay of your gold and I put the token stamp on it and said, it's good gold. It's good gold. James says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. 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 The word patience is enduring. Patient continuance. Patient waiting. Steadfastness. Constancy. Endurance. So patience is one of the fruits of trials. So you struggle. And you struggle and you go through the trial and the test. Then God comes by and picks this fruit off of that and says, here you go. Now that test that I just led you through, you didn't realize it. This is one of the fruits out of that test. It's going to now help you to be more patient than you were before. Because you committed it to me when you didn't know what to do. You tried several times to solve it and you finally realized, I just can't do it. I've got to commit it to God. Now, this is the fruit. God says, yeah, that's good fruit. Let me try it. Yep, that's good fruit. Hey, I approve. Let patience have a perfect work. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Praise God. How many wants that tonight as a child of God? Let me ask you something. Think about it before you answer Is the trial of your faith worth the fruit, the productivity of real godly patience? Is it? Yeah. It's worth it. It may not seem like. Now, sometimes the trial will be pretty brief, and you think, 
Well, praise God. I just knew that was going to last longer than that. And you're almost afraid to say, praise God. How you doing? Well, praise God. How are you? Well, praise God. Just trying to decide if it's safe to say I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, hey, friends, it gets so difficult anymore that you're almost afraid to say, Hallelujah, I'm glad I'm out of that of it, that valley. <laughs> How you doing? Well, praise God. I'm hoping I'm getting close to being at the end of this long valley. And I don't, I don't know if it's here yet or not, but maybe it'll be by next week. And say, I might get an extra week in here if you don't know I'm out of it. <laughs> Talking about the devil. So praise God. Hallelujah. And God comes around and said, oh, here, here's this fruit. Oh, Lord. That is so beautiful. Did that, that come from you? Did that come from Brother Donnie? Oh, that, that come from... Oh, that, no. That come from you. Them lonely nights, them tears on down your cheeks on your pillow. This is the product of that. You mean I, 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 I didn't think I could ever, I didn't. Grace. Out of our lives right now, friends, God wants to produce this divine fruit. And the rest of the world says, well, praise God, I'm saved. That's what the blood is for anyway. God knows you can't live right. So if you drink and smoke and cuss and commit adultery, God, God knows you can't help it. God knows you can't help it. That's what the blood's for. That's what the blood's for. God knows you can't live right in this day. Wouldn't you hate to be attending a church what that's what you believed? Wouldn't you hate to be hearing a preacher go on and on and on? God understands why you can't live right. Oh, don't worry, children. That's what the blood is for. The blood is there because God knows no one can live right. My God don't know any such thing. My God knows there is going to be a people all over this earth that's going to conquer every evil spirit. I won't do it. You may not do it. But brother, sister, before we leave this world, there will not be one devil that will not be left unconquered by a member of the bride. I'm talking about devils of rock and roll, devils of pornography, devils of alcohol, and devils of drugs and whatever more. There won't be one devil. And the last one will be death itself. That we will put our head on the head of death and say, death, you are defeated by the grace of God. Father, I pray tonight, may we bring our little portion of gold to the assayer's office. As we nervously enter the door, we see before us prospectors and people who have a name of renown. and We know them to be rich in gold. Oh yes, I've heard their testimony. They, my, they've got this big mind. They... They do this and that and the other for God. We stand nervously, anxiously awaiting till all them people leave and then we walk up trembling. We say, sir, I believe, I believe I found gold. 
Well, son, daughter, whoever you are, let's, let's, let's try it. Let's take it to the touching stone. Let's measure it, the chemical makeup of it. You got this claim? Yes. You filed it legally? Yes. You traced your name back? Yes. All sin's been written off? Yes. Praise God. And the assayer does his test. He raises, maybe raises his spectacles up on his nose. and says, sir, lady, let me congratulate you. You have a pure vein of gold. You can say glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for helping me. Then you don't say, oh, God, thank you. My mama, my mama was such a Christian. Oh, God, my daddy was such a Christian. But now this is your gold. This is your walk. This is what your faith has produced. Praise God. You can walk out of there. Raising your hands as it were. Praising God. Because your vein has been vindicated. You've got the original vein. Your face is the rapturing kind. It's the saving kind. It's the sealing kind. The healing kind. The delivering kind. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, how many times have we come through trials and wondering, Lord, what was accomplished out of that? And you and your mercy would come to us, maybe through a sermon or whatever more, and pull a fruit and show it to us. And we would all, oh, my, how beautiful. Where'd you get that? I just pulled that from your walk. You please me well, daughter. You felt at times you was going to be overwhelmed. You felt at times through this trial you were losing your mind. But this is the fruit of your constancy. Blessed be the Lord God. Oh, Jesus, speak to us tonight, Lord. Help each of us tonight, Father, to be faithful. When we're there in the arena, Lord, and thousands of eyes are looking at us, as it were. Having stood in the Colosseum at Rome, and some other Colosseums in different parts of the world, in my mind, standing there wondering how many people stood here. What were their names? What lives did they live? My mind going back to my brothers and sisters as I stood in the catacombs in Rome, thinking of how many of my brothers and sisters bent there for church. Lord, we're not in the catacombs, neither are we in the arena or the Colosseum at Rome. Or those in Cyprus or Miletus. Ours is Laodicea. We are the gladiators, as it were, of the season. The flash of God has opened up on our gene and sparked enough photismo to burst that attribute of God in our souls. Almost immediately after that exposure, we were thrown into such difficulty. <laughs> 
And all we've got since then is a reprieve here and a reprieve there. But yet, Lord, we can say you've been with us all the way. We fought with the lions, as it were. We fought with the beasts. We fought with the savages. Then, Lord, when we are reprieved from that, we find ourselves on the theater of spectacle to where we're ridiculed and made fun of and laughed at because of our doctrine or what we believe or what we don't do or where we don't go. So we go from the theater back to the Colosseum and then we're put on display again. And then we leave there and we're back at the theater again. Oh Lord God, help us in our performance to be faithful. Because, Lord, after every performance is finished, we don't look to the hand claps. We do not look to the applause of men. But we look to the Mastro himself to see if you were pleased. That's what we desire, Lord God. Help us, Jesus. One day we will make our last performance in the Colosseum. We will leave the theater of time. And the last few seconds of our lives will tick away. Praise God. Then we will step upon the theater as we move into the banister and the sixth dimension. There we will meet a complete different bunch of people. The scene will change. The bluegrass will be blowing in the wind. Millions of people in their theophanies will come to greet us. Blessed be the Lord God. No more gazing stop, no more laughter, no more ridicule, no more trials, no more tests. Praise God. Finally, we've arrived at the home of the great playwright himself. The Father's drama that has unfolded from the mortal season to the immortal. Help us, Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, God. I mean, loves him with all your heart. You say to him, Lord, I need your help. Maybe you're, you're here tonight and you're going through a, a hard time, a difficult time. Maybe you're in the Colosseum. Maybe you're on the theater. You're the gazing stock. You're the spectacle. Remember, friends, God is not pushing you out there. You may feel alone, but He's right there with you. He's right there with you. He'll be the one to help you, to give you strength, to calm your nerves. He'll be that unseen force, and you're thinking, where did I get that strength from? It's the photismo in your soul that's energizing you. Praise God. It may not bring tingles. It may not bring shouts and chill bumps. Sometimes it comes in the simple form of an energy released in, within you called faith. And all of a sudden, just something from within your being and you feel bursts of faith. And you just think, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to get through this. God's going to help me. I know he is. You may not feel like running or shouting, but you know what just happened? 
heaven just opened up a little bit more of your inheritance. And God let you cash in on a little bit more of your gold. Paul used the word energio, which is the word working in the New Testament. Of the working of the power of God. Energio. It's a power that's released from within you to empower you to do something you don't have the energy to do yourself. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, Jesus. Blessed Lamb of God. Oh, Adonai. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Blessed be the Lord God. Now I wish I was by myself somewhere and y'all wasn't around me. Because I hear a heavenly language just right up here above me. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Blessed Lord God, we worship you. May your divine energy, O oh God, flow through us tonight, Father. Oh Jesus, may you release faith, healing, deliverance. Lord, may be one standing on the steps of the Colosseum and they're fixing to walk out, Lord. Oh, they're scared. They don't want to, but you're nudging them. Give them the strength to grab their sword, their net, their shield, whatever more. Lord, maybe another is in the spectacle of the theater. It's their critics at work. It's their critics at home. Maybe it's an unsaved husband, an unsaved wife, an unsaved child that has become so critical, so mean, so full of evil. And mother is a constant spectacle. Strengthen them, oh God. Strengthen them, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, children, His presence is here. I believe if you raise your hands right in the presence of the King, divine energy from the throne of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise be to God. Receive it, children, in the name of the Lord. Receive healing. Receive strength for your trials. Confidence. That your gold is good gold. Praise God. Endurance. Constancy. Forgiveness. Whatever you need. Oh, you may need the strength to clasp your sword like never before. To strengthen your arm. Hallelujah. Maybe you need to experience it almost as it was. Like with Samson when the beast is coming against you so severely. Or maybe you're in the theatrical part of your life and you just need that gentle push of the pillar of fire as it comes by tonight blessed be the Lord God not so much a thundering voice but a still small voice as it comes by your pew and says don't worry about day after tomorrow I'll be with you don't worry about Monday I'll never leave you Blessed be the Lord God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we worship you tonight. Oh, I feel your prophetic voice in this place tonight, Father.
speak your words, O Lord. Speak those things which we have need of, God. Hallelujah. Lord, I receive strength tonight. Oh God, I I give my life to you. Lord, move me from one coliseum to another if need be. Oh Lord, as I stood in Israel back last year, Carol and I, just stopping to get a drink there on the tour, and we walked up just a bit, and there was the ruins of this Roman amphitheater. Just hundreds and hundreds of years old, carved, and oh my, my mind went back, and me thinking, what happened here? What battles? What, what shows took place? Lord, I imagine you right here tonight if I could look on the lives of these people. Lord, what theatrical performances of the divine poet himself. Cicero could never write such a thing. Hallelujah. The great poets down through time, the historians, Flavius, Josephus, whoever more they were, could never pen such a story of divine ordinance and article. Lord God, may we perform. We are the last actors on the scene, Lord. Before long, the curtains will draw and the final scene will be acted out. The final scene is called the change. Praise God. Praise God. The curtains will be pulled. And when they're pulled, we have changed garments. We've went from mortal to immortal. And when the curtains are drawn, there we stand, 18 to 20 years old. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, Jesus, I adore you. I worship you, Lord God. Can we just raise our hands in the presence of the King? Oh, blessed be the Lord God. Where are you tonight, friend? A coliseum? An arena? A theater? Do you hear the jeers from the crowd? Are they laughing at you? They can tell you're nervous. Or are you there and you hear the voices beyond the curtain of time saying, keep pressing the battle. Keep pressing the battle. Just a few more fights. A few more days. And when you arrive, you will release us from this realm. And we will be called together. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, Jesus. How great you are tonight, Lord. Oh, blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Oh, hallelujah. We worship you now, Jesus. Oh, great Adonai, I lift your name on high. 
I bless you, Lord, because you are my Lord. I trust you, Lord. I love you. We bless your name. We praise your name. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Brother Aaron, would you sing the song that you sang earlier? Through it all. We're going to sing this together. And I want you now in the setting of what we've talked about tonight. Through it all. The times when you've been in the arena. Maybe in the amphitheater of Satan. The crowds were booing you. They were saying you can't win. There's no way you can do it this time. You are outnumbered so bad you are defeated. But something from within you outweighed the booze. It outweighed the negativity of the crowd. And gave you the courage to press on. God gave you a little reprieve from that time at the Colosseum. That God moved you from there to the theater. You, you become the spectacle there. As soon as you walked out, they sensed your nervousness, your jittery. And there again, you were ridiculed and you were laughed at. You were made fun of. But once again, he came and gave you strength. And you did your part. Can't you see the whole thing is him acting out of us? And when the reward is handed out at that day and we walk before him, how can this be? When we walk before him and he will say, You did this and you did this and you did this for me and that for me with the. I, 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 I couldn't do that. But it was Him all along that gave us strength. Praise God. Then we can say through it all, through the Colosseums, through the theaters, through the ups, through the downs, through sickness, through health, through sorrow, through despair, through it all, I learned to trust in Jesus. And I learned that He was the mighty God through it all when I felt him oh yes no question about it but when I didn't feel him when I prayed and it seemed my prayers were delayed when I went to church and I went through many dry spells but I kept going anyhow consistent sing it brother let's sing it together just before we go God bless you don't you love him tonight don't you appreciate his grace through it all through Trust in God Through it all Let's all sing it together just before we go Through it all Amen I've learned to depend upon His Word Once again oh, Through it all Through it all 
trust in God through it all, oh, through it all. I've learned to depend upon His Word, oh, through Word. 
visions for tomorrow. Living times I didn't know right from wrong. Oh, but in every situation God gave blessed consolation that my trials only come to make me strong. Oh, through it all, oh, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus, and I've learned to trust in God. bless you. We're going to pray for Brother Darrell before we go. Amen. Been good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. God go with your service this weekend. Let's just pray together. Remember Brother Darrell and we'll, we'll pray and dismiss it together. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the service tonight, Lord. I pray it's been a blessing and encouragement to your people. Father, I also want to remember your servant tonight, Brother Darrell. Lord, that you'd just be with him. You see, Father, this severe bronchitis in his body. Lord, I ask you that you'd just move for him. Touch him, Lord, and strengthen him. Lord, went Sunday and preached and preached through services and was sick and didn't feel like it, Lord. I pray that you just help him now. Dear God, meant to come to church tonight was just unable, coughing. But, Father, we're believing. As believers, this is what we do. We believe when we pray. In the name of Jesus, may you go to our brother right now, Father. May the healing virtue of Jesus Christ touch him right now in his home. We're believing you for a good testimony, Father God. May you go with us now. Bring us back again, Father, at the appointed time. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Try and shake your hands with somebody. Tell them it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be a Christian, isn't it? Amen. Sing it together again. God bless you. Go in the fear of God. Love you. In the Lord Jesus. Through it all. Oh, through. Trust in Jesus, I've learned to trust in God through it all. Oh, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His word. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. Oh, but in every situation, God gave blessed consolation that my trials only come to make me strong. Trust in God.